Let's welcome all those that are here for the first time. If you're visiting us, welcome. They're in Belito, Peter Meritzburg, those on Faith TV and those watching on YouTube this morning. Oh, come on, let's give them a great big God bless you. And then while we are still standing, I'm going to do this today because uh, Pastor Ut did it last week. But um, I want to reiterate what Pastor Ut said, who is the founder and, and the visionary behind the whole movement of CRC. And he stood up last Sunday, and I'm now copying him, but I believe it's my job to reiterate what he said because of his position in the movement. And he thanked every volunteer, thanked every prayer, every soul winner, every giver, every member of CRC for buying into this vision, for being faithful in this vision, being committed to this vision. And so this morning, I want to also say thank you to everyone here in Durban who has been with us for so many years, the short, the long, the tall, the whatever. Come on, give yourselves a great big clap. You know, um, we cannot do what we do. When God gives a person a vision, he cannot do it on his own. This nonsense of I'm a self-made man is absolutely that. It's nonsense. God gives vision, but without vision, we cannot come together. When we came to Durban 22 years ago, whatever it was, it was my wife and I with a dream in our heart. A glimpse of something that God showed us. We had no idea we would meet you. We would have no idea that we would be together, that we would have some of the experiences we've been through, both good and some challenging. We just have a dream. I mean, I was sitting on an airplane last week, whenever it was, and this guy walked up to me and he said, hello, Pastor Glenn, great to see you. And I went, hello. And I, I, I mean, I always get nervous. So is he in our church? <laughs> Should I know him by name? But God's brought us all together for a greater purpose. And if never before, we must realize what God has done and thank Him for that and what God still wants to do and be excited for that. So come on, let's give God a great big God bless you for what He's done in our lives. And then you may be seated in the name of Jesus. As we move towards the end of 2022 and we begin to prepare for 2023, a year of supernatural acceleration, we must look to God as the source of every victory in our lives. And I really want to encourage you today to say, listen, I am going to turn to God in every area. I know it is challenging because the giants sometimes shout louder than the battles we fight, I mean, the, than the victories we have. I was in the gym yesterday and a guy that I'm trying to win to the Lord, I don't know if he's here in church, but I keep inviting him. Um, he, he says to me, you're a very positive person because you've got a similar kind of personality. I said, well, it's because I read the Bible and the Bible gives me hope. I read the Bible more than I listen to the news. I read the Bible more than I spend time on social media. I read the Bible more and I'm fed with the promise of God more than the negativity of this world. And the challenge again, I say it's a challenge because we come to church, but many come to church, but they don't, uh, uh, um, realize that this is it. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 in the message translation that the world is peripheral to the church. The church is not peripheral to the world. It's through the church that God moves and acts 
in this world today. And so many don't realize that their, 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 their church experience is not just a visitation. I mean, I can talk to people in the week and, and, and I can hear really before they said it, but I can hear whether they're coming to church or not because they get this awkwardly uncomfortable with me. And I almost know it already. Because for most people, this is a place that they will come if it's convenient. Because their belief system has been indoctrinated incorrectly. But there's two sides of coming to church. You come to church for yourself and you come to church for others. You come yourself and you should come and you should be at the edge of your chair every single time that you come to church because God could do something whenever He wants to on His terms, in His way. But you should come expecting that God is going to do something on this Sunday. Edge of your chair. It could happen when somebody greets you. It could happen in the praise and worship. It could happen in the ministry of the Word. It could happen in our worship with our offering. I don't know when, I'm not God, but we should come every Sunday believing that God's gonna speak to us and God's gonna show up on our behalf. And as we worship Him, something is gonna change. And even if we can't see it, we know God is changing something. We also come to church because there are people connected to us. And our commitment to God and to His church has a profound impact on those that are connected to us. I'm going somewhere. This message this morning is going somewhere. Do you realize that people watch how you serve God? Do you realize people watch how you use your talents? Do you realize people watch how you, you, you are committed to Him? And I always pick on the rugby players, but that's why I just do it because I know so many of them. But I mean, when they score a try on a rugby field and, and then they go, what the heck does that mean? Are you in church? Sunday morning, wherever you go to church, are you committed to the church? Are you bringing your world to the church? Are you influencing the one and influencing the other? Are you setting an example for your children, for your children's children? Do you realize people watch you? They listen to the words. Oh, church is not that important. I belong to that church and I go there every now and again. Do you realize where you serve in a church is critical? And I know it's a time of year when many are tired. I know it's a time of year when many are like switching into holiday mode. And I'm saying, listen, while you're not on holiday and away from the city of Durban or Belita or Peter Maritzburg or wherever you are committed to, stay committed. Stay committed. We have to put our dependence and trust in God. 7.9.3.17 says, The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you and He will refresh your life. So as Christians, our source is God and as Christians, we serve God. And I'm gonna say it again. Thank you to every single person that serves in our church and in our ministry. 
When I get around CRC Pretoria, Bloemfontein or Johannesburg under past that's direct influence, I'm amazed to see how many people serve. But I'm not talking about just serving in a department. I'm talking about serving consistently. Because your servants, service matters. We must never forget that someone first served us. Someone did something for us that led us to a place where we were able or enabled to encounter God's love. I always think of the, of the, of the incident with Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7. I'm going to read it quickly. It says, when they heard these things, verse 54, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, couldn't handle hearing the truth. Because Peter was busy preaching the gospel to them and talking to them about how they crucified Christ. So they stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. If you ever had, a, had an argument with a spouse or with a, with a, with a sibling and, and you're shouting at each other and eventually they put their fingers in their ears because they don't want to hear what you're saying. They stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes, listen to this, at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul? Now, not King Saul from the Old Testament. Saul in the New Testament. Saul in Acts chapter 7. Saul who was persecuting the church. Saul who was having Christians or people of the way, as they were called at that time, thrown into prison. Saul who was having them whipped. Saul who was consenting to their murder. They lay his clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now watch this verse, 60. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Not a whisper. Didn't apologize for being a Christian. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Lord, do not charge them with the sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here is Stephen being stoned to death. And we get offended because somebody sat in our chair. We get offended because we didn't get somebody shaking our hand. We get offended because we didn't get a telephone call. We get offended. And here is Stephen who is stoned to death. And before he dies, he cries out to God and he shouts out to God with a loud voice. And he says, Lord, don't hold what they're doing to me against them. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. What is Stephen doing? He's showing them mercy. He's treating them better than what they deserve. When last did you bless those who curse you? or spitefully use you? When last did you show mercy towards somebody and show them the goodness of God? I mean, the result of this, I really believe it, is Paul's, Saul's encounter with Christ on the road of Damascus. Where he encounters Christ and he gets saved. Because if God could do what He did in Saul's life, 
and His desire is to see all men saved, then surely God could do it across the world in one go and all men get saved. You see what I believe, honestly, I believe this. When Saul stood there watching them murdering Stephen, they laid Stephen's clothes at his feet and, and Saul really believed that what he was doing was a service to help God. But as he was watching and he saw Stephen cry out and say, Lord, do not charge them with a sin. He saw somebody showing him mercy, somebody showing him the goodness of God, somebody treating them better than what they deserved. And because of what he saw, it caused him to open up his heart. It caused him to ask questions. It caused him to become sensitive to God. So two chapters later, he's walking on the road to Damascus, still on his mission to persecute the church. But he's open. He's open. And he encounters God and he falls off his donkey and he says, Lord, who are you? And what do you want to do with my life? Who are you, Lord, in this season of my life? It's the goodness of God, mercy, the love of God that causes us to want to open up to God. A name that many of you won't know, but a name of a lady called Glenn Short. When I finished the army and I was working for Mutual and Federal in those days, insurance company, my section head, my department head was a lady by the name of Glenn Short. She gets a phone call or a message from me every 7th of November. Because when I was running wild, I didn't always look like an angel. When I was going through this, whatever, phase of my life, Glenn Short, a nice, quiet Christian woman, used to pray for me and used to love me and used to treat me better than what I deserved. When I came to work some mornings filled with the wrong spirit, she would be there not judging me. She would deal with me, but in such a way that I would think that this is not possible. When I used to go out with the bosses for lunch and never come back and didn't get my work done, she would treat me in such a way that caused me to question the real existence of God. She treated me with love. She treated me with mercy. She treated me better than what I deserved and it caused me to open up to Christ. And I believe with all my heart, when people talk about people doing great things for God, and often we only look in the natural, but I believe it's people like Glenn Short that are going to get the rewards in heaven. That lady that prayed for somebody that we, we look at the fruit of their ministry, but there are intercessors praying for them. You see, the Bible says in Romans 2 verse 4, that do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God, not the judgment of God, not the criticism of God, not God punishing you. It's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance. Listen, sinners know that they are sinning. <laughs> now we all sit in church like this and glow in the dark. Hallelujah, pastor. Hallelujah to you too. 
God is good. Amen. All the time, God is good. We, we know what to say. We know how to say it and we know how to look churchified. But the Bible says in Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have we forgotten? It was the goodness of God. Have we forgotten it was the grace of God? Have we forgotten it was the mercy of God? Have we forgotten no matter who you are, whether you were a chief sinner like me, or you were this angel that looked like a Christian before you became a Christian, you were born into sin, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We all need God's goodness. We all need God's mercy. We all need God's grace. We all need God's favor. We all need it, every one of us. Sinners know they're sinning. And they don't need to feel condemned. And they don't need to feel guilty. They need to experience God's love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so what I want to say to you as we, 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 we enter into the so-called uh, Christmas season is that the greatest need that people have is the need for love and acceptance. Unconditional love. That I love you no matter what. I love you no matter where you've been. I love you no matter what you've done. I love you no matter how bad you have been. I mean, it's amazing how we categorize sin. That's a baddie. But that white lie, not such a baddie. Hmm? <laughs> For all have sinned. Oh, that adultery one. <laughs> but that one, that's okay, it's justifiable. Sin is sin, my brother. We, we can't become religious as like, I don't sin as bad as James. I'm okay. No sin is sin. You don't know what that brother or that sister is going through. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what happened to them. We've got to start walking with people and we've got to start touching people and loving people that are unloved, loving people that are hurting, loving people that are broken, loving people. Listen, I really want to get it into our hearts that the greatest need of every human being is acceptance and God's unconditional love. It doesn't mean we accept sloppy work or we accept half commitment. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving people, showing people God's love, treating people better than what they deserve. In John chapter 8, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery. And the Bible says in verse, uh, verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, He came again into the temple and all the people came to Him and He sat down and taught them. That's why we come to church, so we can be taught the Word of God. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to Him a woman caught in the adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, in, in, in the midst, not in the midst, in the midst, clearly visible for everybody to see, they said to Him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. So they bring to Jesus a woman who is caught in adultery. And I like it the way they say it. 
These are the Pharisees. They're trying to catch Jesus out so that they can have a reason to murder Him. And, and they bring this woman caught in the act. No, 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 not just caught in that, caught in the very act. I don't think she had time to get dressed properly. But before we dig into the scripture, let's ask this question. How did they catch her? Huh? How did they catch her? And how did they know she was in the very act? Religious gossip. Religious Googling. Oh, pastor, I want to tell you about this brother, you know. I'm not against him. I just want to tell you so that you can pray for him. Really? Really? You, you, you're pointing at his little, little, little tweak in his eye and you've got a log in yours. You caught him in doing something wrong, but, but you stuck in porn and in bondage to this and, and you into gossip and you into talking behind people's backs, etc., etc., etc. Hello, 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 are you there? They caught him in the very act. Listen, that's why we need to, I'm jumping ahead of myself, never forget what God saved us from. Your education or your quoting of the Bible in Greek, Hebrew, and I see the latest one, Afrikaans, uh, um, doesn't prove your love for anybody. I can quote from Genesis to Revelations. Whippy dippy do. I'm one of the 44 that can do it in Afrikaans. Okay, some of you are confused. What are you talking about, Pastor? Hey, wake up, man. Smell the coffee. I like Afrikaans people. Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery, in the very act. And now Moses and the law commanded us that, we should, that she, she should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him because they wanted to kill him. Testing him. That they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, were they convicted by their conscience? Or were they maybe convicted by whatever Jesus wrote down? in the sand around her. They bring this woman into the very midst uh, in the area, prominent place where they can see and they say, Jesus, listen, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, the very act of adultery. The, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? And he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. So they all stand there like this and they're like, hey, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the man. I've got the priestly robes on. I'm looking like the man, I'm the man. Hallelujah, glory. I've got this big fat Bible. I can speak in, in Greek, Hebrew and Afrikaans and, and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus says nothing. He just gets down on his knees and he starts writing in the sand. Now, now there's no reference to this, but I wonder if he didn't start writing their sins. Self-righteousness. Religious piety. They're not in adultery, but they're into gluttony. Pride. Gossip. I've got one for you. Racism. 
You without sin cast the first stone. You that has forgotten what God has done for you. You that has forgotten the mercy, the grace, the goodness, the favor, the blessing, the, the, the mercy of God, the love of God. God treating us better than what we deserve. You, you throw the first stone. How many stones have been thrown at other people because of self-righteousness? Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went one by, out one by one, beginning with the oldest and even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman was standing in, in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to a woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, here's my title of this morning's message, neither do I. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to make you feel guilty. Jesus didn't come to make you feel less worthy. He came to lift you up. He came to love you. He came to point you in the right direction. He came to make a way the truth and the life. He says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Listen, it's not judgment. It's not self-righteousness. It's not this religious piety that leads people to Christ. It's love. It's mercy. It's God treating us better than what we deserve and us treating people better than what they deserve. Mercy triumphs over judgment every single time. I mean, somebody recently was angry with God in our church. And they said this to me, I'm angry with God. I said, that's fine. Oh, isn't that a sin? Well, you overeating yesterday, is that not a sin? You gossiping yesterday, is that not a sin? You lying yesterday, is that not a sin? Somebody's wrestling with God and they're angry with God because they don't understand something. Listen, do you think God is so small that your little moment of anger is going to stop what God wants to do in your life? I mean, don't stay angry with God. Deal with the anger, but God's not anti you because you go through this battle. We, we want to put the law on people. We want, to, we want to hold them to a higher standard than what we hold to ourselves. Pastor, I mentioned this the other day, but when we were at the Upping and Harvest event, we witnessed so many people getting saved and being touched by God and weeping at the altar. But what really touched my life, something else touched his life, but what really ministered to me was the, 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 the following morning at the guest house we were staying at, a lady who was working at the guest house walked up to him at the table and she just said in Afrikaans, she was one of the 44. <laughs> I mean, how because a person is an actor or an actress, I mean, really, you're going to listen to the three dumb things that they say. Really? And you're going to be affected by the dumb things that they say. 
I mean, I laughed a few years ago. We had an AIDS conference here in, in Durban at the ICC, and they invited that individual that believes only 44 people speak Afrikaans around the world. And they invited that individual to talk on the AIDS pandemic. And I thought, how dumb are we to listen to an actress talk about AIDS? If we want to get a solution to a problem, let's go to the source. Let's go to the one that heals. Let's go to the one that will help us get through our battles. But let's not go to somebody who's not qualified to talk about something. Anyway, so, 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 so that one of the 44 came to pass after that morning, the following morning at the table. And you could see she was burdened. You could see she was hurting. You could see she was gone through a tough time. And she walked up to him at the breakfast table and she just said, Donkey Pasteur. I was there last night and you gave me hope. And he looked at her and, 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 and he said, you're hurting. And you could see the tears in her eyes. Big lady. You could see she's been through a tough time. And without being religious, without standing up and acting like a bishop, without making her kiss his ring, or some religious tradition. He just took her hand without announcing to us that we're sitting at the table. He just took her hand and he began to pray for her. That ministered to me more than the message the night before. Why? Because it was Christianity in action. It was us seeing somebody treat somebody better than what they felt they deserved. And he prayed for her. Hey, listen, the opportunity is out there for us to treat people better. Better. Either we're Christian or we're not. Either we believe God's Word or we're not. There are people hurting in your world that you could pray for, that you could love on, that you could bless on. Maybe you don't have much, but the little you do have, you could use to help them. So the first thing I'm saying to you this morning is the greatest need of everybody is to be accepted and unconditional love. The second thing that people need or that we need to do is never lose our love for God by forgetting what God has done for us. That's why I make a big thing out of my spiritual birthday every year because I want to remind myself first and foremost it's by God's grace. It's His goodness. It's His mercy. It's Him treating me better than what I deserve. And I want to remind myself never to forget what God has done in 29 years of my life. How even after I got saved, I've been through some challenges, but God never left me. God never forsook me. God was always with me. God has got my back and I've got His back. And I'm reminded every single day of my life, I don't need to come to church on Christmas. I had a guy telling me the other day saying, Pastor, are you going to be at church on Christmas? I said, come and find out. Not in our church, by the way. He says, you can't go away for Christmas. I said, and, and why not? If I want to go away, I'll go away. If I don't want to go away, I won't go. But it's Christmas. And I looked at this individual, actually it was a lady. And I said, I do not celebrate Christmas only once a year. I don't celebrate Easter once a year. I don't celebrate Pentecost 
once a year. Oh no, I remind myself every day of the goodness, of the grace, of the mercy, of the favour, of the blessing. Oh, I remind myself, I bless the Lord every single day and forget not all His benefits. Why? Because He forgave me of all my sins. He heals me of all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He satisfies my, my, He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my you my mouth with good things and that my youth is renewed like the eagles i mean i'm not i'm not i mean another person says where do you normally go on holiday so i told him they said gee you can't go there you're a christian you're a pastor where you want me to go on holiday they've just come back from a golfing trip where they went to all these nice places actually it wasn't the place i was going to holiday was the issue it was i told them that i like nice things i said to them i I was born to be in, in five-star hotels. Some of you are going to leave the church because of that statement. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I, from a young age, like nice things. I don't let those nice things have me, but I like them. In other words, if God blesses me with something, I can give it away very easy. I'm not married to that nice thing except my wife, but, but that's a good thing, not a nice thing. But, but, but do you think God only made business class flights for, 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 for another religion type? I mean, we've got such a small mindset. But you're a pastor. This is what the person said to me. You're a pastor. Uh, 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 you don't sound much like Mother Teresa. Because I'm not called to be Mother Teresa. I wouldn't last one day on second-hand tea bags. Fact. It doesn't mean the person called to work there is wrong. It's a grace God puts on them. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Don't take me out of context. Like people take memes and they, and they take a person's statement out of context and they try and use it against them. Once I preached a message about the resurrection bush and people made a meme out of it across Durban. And I thought to myself, you know, you small-minded. It was funny though. <laughs> Don't take things I say out of context. But what I'm trying to say to you is, I don't know why I got stuck on this. <laughs> but people, people, oh, you can't go on holiday. Really? I can't go away. No, your parishioners need you. Uh, there's always somebody to serve you if I'm not here. The, the point I'm trying to get to, I'm getting confused with myself. I'm getting so excited. We never n- must stop sharing God's love. We must never forget what God has done for us and how He's loved us. Psalm 103, I've already quoted it, so I'm not going to quote it now. Because here's the challenge. When you forget God's mercy towards you, you stop sharing His mercy with others. When you forget, that's why many Christians don't witness to their world because they've forgotten that somebody witnessed to them. When you forget about God's mercy towards you without realizing it, you begin to judge others. You begin to criticize others. You begin to look down on others. You begin to become condescending towards others. You become like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. And I think it's in Luke 15 where, where, where he's upset because his prodigal brother came back. And he's... His father's having a party for, for, for his brother coming back and restores him to sonship. And his father sends for him to come and rejoice. And he says, no, I'm not coming because that son of yours, not even my brother is back. 
I've worked for you all my life. I've been in church. Every Sunday I serve and I do my bit and I bring my tithe. And then that little sinner comes back and you throw a, a party and you kill the fatted calf. And the one translation says, you never even gave me a skinny goat. Poverty mindset. And the father said, but I don't understand what's wrong with you. Everything I have is yours. But you became religious. You, 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 you just sat in church every Sunday. You didn't sit on the edge of your seat, trusting God, believing God, working hard with God. Never forget that God has got you this far and God will get you to the other side. We have to show His love and compassion. Compassion is simply God's love in action. And we are here to love people, all types of people. We are here to show them the goodness of God and God's mercy, treating them better than what they deserve. Everybody is welcome in our church. The rich, the poor. You know, the world is going and saying there's so many different sexual orientations, etc., 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 etc. They welcome. They welcome. What we classify as bad sin and good sin and this sin and that sin. No, all sinners are welcome. The church is a hospital. It's not an aquarium. We don't want to go to a church that's all perfect with all the perfect type of people. We want to go to a church where there are drug dealers getting saved and where there are, are murderers getting gloriously saved. And, and we want to go to a church where there are successful people getting gloriously saved. We want to be in a place where everybody is welcome. And here's the funny part. Just because I don't agree with your belief system doesn't mean I don't love you. I mean, Je Jesus was known to be the friend of sinners. So by being their friend doesn't mean that you agree with what they do. And, and when you hang with them, just don't let your guard down, like some of you will do over December. You have your family gatherings, and it's festive. And then you have a couple of the spirits, but the wrong ones. And then you get into conversations with people that you shouldn't have conversations with about things that you shouldn't have conversations about, and it gets into your head, and then it comes to January, we've got to try and get you saved again. Instead of you sitting with those people, and while you sit with them, stand out. Stand up. When you have your 30 friends and family coming for Christmas luncheon, why don't you be the one that stands up and says, listen, I just want to commit this meal to Jesus. Can we all stand? And then you preach the glorious gospel to them and tell them what the Lord has done and how He saved the rich like you and how you were once blind, but now you can see you were once lost, but now you are found. Oh, come on, it's time for us to be bold about the gospel. The third thing and the final thing I want to say, my time is up. Never stop sharing God's love by serving people. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. There is something supernatural about serving other people. There's something supernatural about refreshing other people. There's something that God does when we give ourselves to help people. When we share the love of Jesus. When you do a good deed. We call it random acts of kindness. Wreck. And just people look at you and go, but why? Because Jesus loves you. Because God loves you. We feed the poor because God loves them. We clothe the naked because God loves them. 
We treat the sinner better than what they deserve because God loves them. And as you do that, as you, you help other people, something supernaturally happens inside of you. When you refresh others, God refreshes you. Revelations 12, 11, the Bible says, and they defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of, the te- of their testimony. There is something powerful about you, not somebody else, you sharing your testimony with people. You telling them how God saved you. You telling them how you experienced God's love firsthand and all that the Lord has done for you in your journey with Him. Like the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and I haven't got time to, 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 to speak too much about it, but how she encountered Jesus. And then she went back to her town and she said, Come meet a man. John 4, 28. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. You and I will never know the full impact of our testimony this side of heaven. You will never know the full impact of your random acts of kindness. You will never know the impact of standing behind a camera serving, staying at your post when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, until you feel like it. You'll never know the impact until you get to the other side of heaven, or the other side in heaven. Because your faithfulness in the little things, in the simple things, can impact people you'll never know. That woman had an encounter and she fed, she gave Jesus water. And that encounter changed not only her life, but the lives of others. Religion is not the remedy for everything broken in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is. Politicians aren't the remedy for broken society. They can be instruments, but they're not the remedy. Jesus Christ is. The love of God, the love of Christ is the antidote for every wrong thing in society. And we who call ourselves Christians are the healing vessels to bring hope to people who are broken. And I really want to charge you this morning that as we come to the end of this year, let's continue to love Let's continue to serve. Let's continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know 2023 is a year where God will bring supernatural acceleration into our lives. But He can't operate outside of our level of faith in Him, which is governed by the love of God. I read a great statement this morning. It says miracles. I'm going to preach this next week, by the way. Miracles are not just to get you out of something. They are also to get you into something. And the greatest miracle that we can experience is the love of God. And I want us to stand here in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg. We're all going through things. We've all got battles in our lives, facing Goliaths, facing storms. But I want to tell you this morning, those on Faith TV, those watching via YouTube, I want to tell you this morning, God loves you. God really does. God is real. He's not some mystical thing out there. 
He is real. I encountered Him 29 years ago in a small Methodist church building in the office at the back of the church, sitting on a wicker couch with two adult men kneeling in front of me. And I surrendered my heart to Christ and He came into my life. And I experienced true acceptance. I experienced for the first time in my life real unconditional love. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. You here this morning, your life is not right with God. You here this morning, and maybe once upon a time you had given your heart to Christ, but for whatever reason you've wandered away from God. I want to tell you this morning, my brother, my sister, God loves you. And you've got to stop running. It's time for you to surrender. The Bible goes on to say that the Lord, He knocks on the door of your heart and He who will open up His heart to Him, fully surrender to Him, He'll come and sup with you. He does the knocking, but you've still got to open up your life to Him. So you here this morning, your life is not right with God. You've, you've never given your heart to Jesus, or you have, but for whatever reason, you've wandered away from God. I want to pray a prayer with you. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, here in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg, those watching on Faith TV, those that are watching on YouTube, that is you this morning. You haven't got peace with God. Give me the honor and the privilege to pray with you. I cannot save you, but I can lead you to the one who can. His name is Jesus. What a privilege and honor to pray with each one of you this morning. Just put your hand upon your heart there in the other locations. We're going to pray this prayer. Just say simply with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave to give me life. And I receive your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. And I choose today to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.